Well, there's a guy driving the moto, and of course they're all dressed in the moto's yellow, and they're dressed in the yellow colors of the tour, and their sponsors. And uh, then you have this guy on the back who has a chalkboard. I mean, here we're in 2017, <laughs> and when I got up this morning and turned it on, that break had about, I think it said 225. So this guy's like, oh, two. <laughs> Uh, colon 25 he's like hey guys I mean, <laughs> right now right it, it doesn't I seem mean, we're necessary. not far from like driverless cars maybe even drones flying people around and, and homie's out there with the chalkboard still it, it does <laughs> seem very funny too with the chalkboard and you think about how much information is just on your your meter in front of you yep you've got all kinds of data you got radios going yep there's information everywhere yet the chalkboard is the method of choice <laughs> yeah you could also just tell the guy, hey, you're 225 <laughs> up. All right, welcome back to the Stages Podcast, stage six of the Tour de France today in Detroit, T-R-O-Y-E-S, Troyes. You know, most people over here probably say Troyes, Troy, like Troy S. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I would I would go on about, uh, I was a little depressed. I missed a couple stages where I, I, my prediction was off, and I don't want to spend any time talking about how I finally got it right again, but what, what I do... The most remarkable thing for me was, as we spoke about yesterday, was a hectic finish. Um, but the speed in which Kittle came, he didn't. He kind of lost his train. I talked yesterday about the strength of his team and that lead-out train. Um, he lost that, and he just sort of had to find his way, which mm -hmm. is what the best ones do. And uh, the way I, the best I could calculate it and figure it out, he was two bike links behind with less than 100 meters to go, and he won by two bike links. I mean, those guys on the right of the uh, of the sprint surely thought they had it. It was well, one they, of them. Well, they were looking. You know, they they even if they're not obviously not looking at them, but they they know where people are. So they and then all of a sudden, this guy in blue comes out of nowhere on the left at literally twice the speed. It's remarkable. I mean, we're so accustomed to seeing the great sprinter, sprinters grabbing a wheel. Hopefully, uh, if things go according to plan, of their teammate. And pulling around at the last moment, you know what I mean? It's usually, and that's what the—that's exactly what all those sprinters were doing on the right-hand yeah. side of the road. And Kittle just, on his own sheer brute force, yeah. not having that follow wheel right up until the end, yeah. just blast us. You know what's blasting past? You him. know what's interesting too is when you watch as you watch the race live, and you watch the angle in which they show the sprint is from head on. It's always amazing to me when. It looks so close. You know, it looks like it's a, 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 a photo finish or a bike throw. And then you see later on, you see that helicopter angle, the overhead angle. And how you're like, gap. that wasn't close at all. That's a goofy like, photo trick. Because yeah. they're, they're shooting with a really right. long lens and it, it squashes all that right. depth. And I don't call that an optical illusion. I call that a tropical delusion. It's a long story. <laughs> it's a long story. But yeah, it does. Uh, when you are watching it from the front, you think it's close. You think it's just barely the half a wheel, and then yeah. and then you see the replay today with yeah. Kittle, and well, it's guess what? It wasn't close. Two bike lengths. Yeah, on his own. Yeah, good for him. That was win, win number eleven for him in the tour. Eleventh stage win. 
And he's still got to make up some points to get that green jersey, but it's possible. Uh, it's all, you know, it's all about, uh, I mean, I, I should look at the results, but where did, you know, Damare finish up? So if he's, look, it's way too early to start figuring out uh, who's going to have that jersey in Paris. But there's there's a lot of bike racing to go, a lot of sprints to go, including tomorrow. Hey, let's talk a, a little bit about what it's like on a day like today. It's a flat day. What We know what it's like for the sprinters. They have everything on the line. What's that like for the GC contenders? You know, I suspect today was, if you look at the profile and even watching it on TV, I mean, you, you, let's be honest. I mean, those days are pretty boring to watch. Mm-hmm. And... and and probably pretty boring to be in the race uh, if you're a GC guy. You're just sort of. But my sense is that day wasn't as easy as it perhaps looked. If I look at things, I mean, even the, we saw on the t- TV at one point an umbrella blows into the peloton. Mm-hmm. Well, Huge that, umbrella. Yeah, but yeah, right. Like a <laughs> like, not an umbrella. I don't know what you like. A, it was like a pop up tent. Yeah, like from the local cafe. But um, so you had wind, and what I also noticed was you had a lot of narrow roads. When you have those narrow roads. Mm-hmm. That group just, you know, it just gets tighter and tighter. And, and obviously, you know, you'll only fit so many guys across the road. So then if, if it's narrow, you just, the, 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 the tail of the peloton just gets longer and longer. That leads to, to, uh, to nerves. Okay. Mm. Nerves about staying upright, well, staying protected. Staying, if you're trying to stay at the front. So the two things that make, I mean, narrow roads and wind, a lot of times are a recipe for, you know, but what's action? It, but what's it like for the GC guys physically on a day like that? Like they're not, I mean, it's fast. No doubt, there's fast portions of it. But yeah. overall, like that's a good feeling day and recovery yeah. wise afterward and everything. I think the most remarkable thing about today would would have been the temperature. You know, this is this is hotter than we would typically get in the north of France. It was an interesting route. I mean, this course is actually, if you look at the overall map of this this Tour de France. You know, typically they're making their way around the country, getting down to the south. We were actually heading back northwest today. They were all, they were, if, if they kept going straight, they'd have been in Paris. And so it was, uh, you know, for that part of the country, you know, 92 degrees Fahrenheit with, I'm sure with some decent humidity is, is really warm. And can mess up their grapes. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> we are Let's not, talk about what's really important We're not here. talking about grapes anymore. <laughs> You know, when uh, we did see them out on a narrow road with some crosswind, the crosswinds didn't seem to be too out of control, but that could be a really good thing to watch is we're on some of these flat days and they get out there um, and they start echeloning out. Yep. Describe that to a bit because as an amateur racer, when I saw that scenario, I knew I was in trouble. Right. Look, it's all about if 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 the road was was the width of a football field, it wouldn't be a problem. So it's all about just finding that wheel finding the shelter in front of you so with crosswind and narrow roads which we didn't see but we will see mm-hmm. uh, at some point these uh these three weeks or the next two and a half weeks um you know ultimately the road ends you run out of you run out of places to find shelter so then you know the first 10 guys well they're all on the wheel and then you start to see them single file and in cycling we call that when you're the guy that's single file on the right or the left side of the road and it's strung out that means you are in the gutter. Some, if somebody says I was in the gutter, I got put in the gutter. Or you're put, you're, or, you're or, the you're the last guy on the edge of the road, and you re- really can't get that draft. It's the worst feeling, and that's the that's a terrible feeling too, because you have to make the decision to start a second well, echelon. Then you can start a second one, which is the smart thing to do. But um, it's hard. It's it's, hard. it's it's really hard to explain 
to yeah. people how how difficult it is to make that work. It'll right? be it'll be as a fan it'll be cool to see as 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 speaking as a you know former racer it it just sucks. I mean it's it's <laughs> a it's super stressful. Uh, typically when you have that situation, you have a lot of crashes cause guys get nervous and start taking chances and cross wheels, et cetera. But we'll, we'll have a chance to talk about it, I suspect. Uh, and, and it'll be cool to go back and, and, uh, kind of break it down. But yeah. How much conversation is going on on a long flat day? Like, let's say it's kind of a, it's a mellow part, you know, obviously they yeah. pick up momentum at the end. A, are, a, are people just being chatty? No, yeah. It's very social. Yeah. I mean, are there are there the hi, how you doing, how you been kind of conversations? Yeah, yeah. how's the kids? <laughs> yeah. How shitty was your hotel last night? Oh my God, no, not a bad word. Yeah, I got an email that, that mom. I have, I have her name here somewhere. That mom who she th- emailed me you know, a couple of days. Could you just back off the swearing? And then I yesterday I didn't say one bad word, and she emailed me. Thank you so much. I know it's and I just, hard, and, but then I got a lot of emails that want to hear the real you. They want. I know. That's a difficult thing. Here's what I, for this particular mom, here's, I'm going to make you a deal. And this is what I do with my kids. Cause I do slip up around the house and, and drop some uh, bad words occasionally. But, um, my son, my, both my kids have a cuss jar. So every bad word is a buck. Oh, there you go. And so, uh, ma'am, <laughs> I, for, for, I owe you a dollar. I'll send a, That's just for her. I'm going to, yeah. The cuss gonna, jar. I'll send it to you USPS. It'll get there in about a year. I'll give you a, a very short piece of broadcast advice, which you're doing a fantastic job at it. But don't let one listener's input rattle you. It's one person. I'm sure she's a great person. Yeah, sorry. But don't let one comment get in your head. All right. No, but I I I, I see both sides of it. Yeah. I see both sides of it. Okay. Uh, one of the things that we talked about as we were watching the uh, stage today is the time gap thing. And, and I'm not, not talking about the time gap the time at board. the finish. The time board, yeah. which is done on the moto, and it's so weird. And I think I know where you want to go with this. In the modern era where everyone had there's transponders on every bike and everything, it's still done to the riders in a very old-fashioned way. Right. It's, it's For as long as I can remember, you have a guy, well, there's a guy driving the moto, and of course, they're all dressed in the motos yellow, and they're dressed in the yellow colors of the tour, and their sponsors. And uh, then you have this guy on the back who has a chalkboard. I mean, here we're in 2017, <laughs> and when I got up this morning and turned it on, that break had about, I think it said 225. So this guy's like, oh, two uh, colon 25. He's like, hey guys, I mean, right now, right? It, it doesn't. I seem mean, we're necessary. not far from like driverless cars, maybe even drones flying people around, and Homie's out there with a the chalkboard still. It, it does <laughs> seem very funny too with the chalkboard, and you think about how much information is just on your your meter in front of you. Yep, you've got all kinds of data. You got radios going. Yep, there's information everywhere. Yet the chalkboard is the method of choice. <laughs> yeah, you could also just tell the guy, "Hey, you're two twenty five up." <laughs> <laughs> but the, but but they use it a lot. I mean, the, they you know they show it a lot on TV, and then you know that's yeah. But you know what? These days are you know I I think that this the that our sport could do more to to make these days interesting. Like I, I this is this was not a completely boring day because this when you have a a, a bunch sprint, you know a mass sprint, it's that's exciting. Mm-hmm. But we're going to have a day here in a week or so where there's going to be a five-man breakaway that's going to stay away, and that sprint's going to be not nearly as intense as sprints you see like today. 
and the group is just going to let them go. And it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> hurry up. So I can walk across the street, record this podcast, and then go ride my bike, please. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I'm going to be bored. Well, they do spend a lot of time uh, filling air, and it's a, t- it's a tough gig I to think fill I, five I, hours. It's, so it's all about content, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do we uh, uh, create content around days that are that – are, that are just not that dynamic. And so I would love, you know, me personally, I would love, and I know we emailed back and forth with Christian Vandeveld the other day. So they have all of this. When you watch the race, you have the typical transponder that's down on the, um, the rear triangle. And then you have this, it looks like a, well, there's something off the back of every guy's seat. Mm-hmm. So that's supposed to relay heart rate, Watts, uh, speed. But I think you could, I think for me as a fan and watching the race, when it's, just kind of rolling along, why wouldn't we be able to see heart rate and speed? And It uh, tells you immediately how hard they're working. And I think the most interesting thing would be, it could get a little complicated with the language barriers, but how about a little sneak listening to race radio? So, the, the you know, just hear the riders communicating with the directors, hear what the directors yeah. are saying we to hear the riders. It, get, we get that in motorsports a lot, and it's pretty cool. So, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of NASCAR, and Jimmy Johnson's a great friend of mine. I go to last But you go to any race, and you can tune in to the crew chief talking to the driver and vice versa. Hell, yeah, I mean, you have the, the guys in the booth. You have Jeff Gordon calling the drivers. Mm-hmm. Um uh, you know, it's it's and it's kind of a similar scenario where they're just going around and around, and you know, you're waiting for the last ten laps, and somehow that that you know that would be, and again, I don't know how possible that is technology wise, because um, you have a, you have an event that is is not confined into a, a one mile oval or whatever. It's rolling. You know, today we went 130 miles down a road, point to point. So it's it might be. Tricky, but boy, it'd be fascinating to listen to some of that stuff. It would be I think cool. the writers and the directors, I don't think, I know they would they would not like that. They would push back on that. And because if I think, they're doing, they're talking tactics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe Secret Channel. See, I intentionally made it a broad stroke of motorsports, knowing we have a lot of European listeners, and you made it NASCAR. They're kind of going, oh, NASCAR. <laughs> I'm just wondering. They didn't see Talladega Nights. The <laughs> European won or was trying to win. <laughs> you know what else is interesting, too? Uh, they do try to fill a lot of time on TV, and that is a tough gig. I acknowledge that. But they are showing you every castle and chateau, yeah. and it's so bizarre. This is going to sound weird. I'm just trying to give people our perspective. You know, And they're talking like this was built in the 13th century or the 16th century. Right. And coming from Austin, Texas... An old building is like 15 years old. Right. Right. Yeah, it's got like a <laughs> maybe it, 30. It has a historical sign up <laughs> the front. Yeah, but it's it's those and I you know Paul and Phil, you know, they do a good job of of, of you know of explaining these things. I had the big aqueduct today that the train went over in the castle, and then the Charles de Gaulle uh, memorial and. But yeah, I mean, it's that's a tough gig to sit there. Shit, if somebody told me to sit there and talk for four hours, I'd be like, no way. We get to do it for thirty minutes, and I'm like, okay, that's enough talking. That's enough. Um, yeah, that's a it's, tough it's, gig. It's 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 a. But I will say, if Paul Sherwin calls Taylor Finney, Davis Finney, one more time, I'm going to the app. I'm watching the, the Australian feed. <laughs> Davis is his father. Davis and Finney was, was a legend, and and but but Davis Finney is not in this bike race. <laughs> Let's touch on it briefly and move on, but no one's letting the Sagan Cavendish thing go, and now it's sort of in the hands of the fans. Like, fans are 
throwing comments back and forth. And this is still a hot story yep. over the elbow and the push, if you want to call it that, or Cavendish's Cavendish just trying to go through a lane that's not there and taking the fall. People will not let this go yet. Well, well, Peter Sagan's team is not letting it go. I mean, we saw and, and heard today and read about today that, that they are actually appealing. You know, it's one thing to appeal the decision to the race commissars, the race officials, but they're now taking it to the highest court in all of sport, which is called CAST, the Court of Arbitration in Sport. So they're appealing, and this is as best as I can understand it. I might have this messed up, but they are appealing this to CAST with the hopes, and I may, I may be wrong, I don't think I am, with the hopes that Peter can get back into the bike race. After I mean, two days it, out. It, as, as, as much as I disagree with the decision to disqualify him, you, you can't skip a couple days and then come back no, in. Fresh hey, legs. fellas, how y'all been? <laughs> I've just been getting massage and, you know. I'm bit, feeling get, really Getting spry. cryotherapy. I feel good. Let's go. Let's have a sp- – no. This, is, this needs to stop. It's over. Whether you agree or disagree, it's, it's, it, it's time to move on. And, um, you know, I was thinking about this. You know the biggest winner in all this? Chris Froome's skin suit. Oh, that was the le- that was the hot story. Yeah, the and skin suits went went put to rest. Yeah, as soon as they had a new controversy to latch yeah, onto. What what skin suit? What do you what, yeah. what skin suit? I even hesitated when you said that. Yeah, that's old news. Yeah, interesting. You mentioned in passing uh, cryo. Have a lot of pro riders started I don't doing know. I was just making you stuff start? up. I've but never it, done it. You haven't? No. Oh, my God. You my love son it. Luke does it all the time. He loves it. You'd love it. But on the heels of cryo, I saw again today, and we, we touched on it briefly uh, the day before and didn't have time to go into it, but you see the riders putting uh, ice packs on just on the back of their neck. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, a hot day, and it makes a good sense. Idea. I, I think it's a good idea. I, th- I think anything to, to lower the core temp. Right? That's yeah. the goal. Is that that corridor there behind your behind your neck is is you know is one of the easiest place you know, ways and places to lower your core temp and and uh, heat is the number one determining factor when it comes to performance. When when it's hot and the body gets hot, and therefore with that comes dehydrate. That is forget you know even forget uh, all the other things that could be a factor. Heat is the number one determining factor. So. The more that these guys can uh, can quote unquote stay cool, the better. And 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 it's uh, to me it's accumulative. So you need to um, certainly with with hydration when you start and nutrition when you start digging yourself a hole, even in these early easy days, um, you know it, it it adds up. And they've got one more flat day, and then we get back into the into the mountains. So they got they have to think about those things. I mean, in forty eight hours they're going to be. Wanting their uh, climbing legs again. All right, this is fun talking about Taylor Finney again. He's the American, one of the three Americans in the bike race, and and he had a, a pretty tough go in the last couple of years with some horrific injuries that most likely would be career ending. So that's a great story, and he's a fun person to follow. He is goofy. He is just <laughs> a goofy young dude, and it's very very entertaining. And so he he's been taking some like selfie videos. I didn't see him on his Instagram page. I didn't see him on his Twitter page, but they're getting out there. And this kind of gives you an insider's view. He's talking about the summit finish the other day, how a lot of rock climbers are still going up when the top guys have finished and are coming down. Right. So so here is Taylor and then we can talk more about this. Yep. Hey, 
Taylor Finney here. <laughs> Hello, America. I miss you. Stage five today, Tour de France. Uh, it was a hot day. Dylan Van Barrow, Cannondale Drapeback. My teammate, my roommate, was in the breakaway today. Proud of him. Uh, I have one story that I wanted to share that I, was, that I thought was kind of funny. Uh, I was riding up the final climb, La Planche de Belfi, and, uh, you know, I'm a little bit bigger, so I'm not fighting it out with, the, with those, those little climber dudes. So by the time we were, you know, halfway up the climb, the guys who had finished uh, in the front were already descending back down to go to their bus to take a shower. First, uh, first guy that comes down is Alberto Cantor, and I noticed that he has this pink, pink something in his mouth, and I, I, when I saw it from a distance, I thought it was like a pookie, you know, like I thought it was like a baby toy, and uh, oh, that's, that's weird, I wonder what that is, but then I heard this blaring whistle, and I realized that he had a whistle, um, you know, with the... With the, with the string on it, it was around his neck, and, <laughs> and he's just, you know, you, I'm, like, this is a guy I've, I've watched on TV, idolized forever, and I'm, I'm just watching him, like, blowing on this whistle, and it's pink. <laughs> and to add to that, there was this lady who was standing in the way, and uh, he's blowing on his whistle, and as he goes by her, he, he just turns with her to really make let her know that she was in his way and it reminded me of like being in traffic you know somebody cuts you off or you you honk at somebody and then you go past them and you do that that the like honk and then that like <laughs> slow the slow turn just to really let that person know that you're angry <laughs> I, um, you, you know, it, 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 you got to laugh. Um, yeah. That doesn't surprise me that Alberto Contador rides down the mountain with a whistle. <laughs> that's the first it's, you've ever heard of it. That's so, just so. Maybe lame. have the mechanic uh, mount a bell on your but, handlebars. You know, in defense of, uh, it's hard for me to ever uh, find a place where I defend Alberto Contador, but it, it, if I were to try, the reality is those fans standing on the side of the of the mountaintop finish where they've spent the entire day looking one direction and that's down the road where mm -hmm. the riders are coming mm -hmm. up. They don't think, Oh, these guys are going to come to the top. Their team buses can't get up here. Logistically, it's too, too complicated. Um, and, and so they're just going to have a swanier at the top, get a jacket, put on a hat and ride back down. So they're not thinking to, to look up the road. They, they've just gotten used to looking down the road. So it happens all the time. You're riding down, and somebody's just, they're looking oblivious. the other way. They're oblivious. And, of course, you know, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to go to the left of this person. Well, they, who knows? They may just take a step left, or their poodle may take a step right when mm -hmm. you're going right, whatever. And, um, but, you know, it could be a problem. But, but I've never, the whistle thing, I never. <laughs> I've never seen that. I mean, you could all, <laughs> you could yell. Hey, heads up. So did he carry the whistle with him the whole I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. If that I'm just thinking about just something. If that if that catches on, mm -hmm. oh, I'm out. done. We're not doing this podcast anymore, <laughs> ever. I'm just thinking Over. of the the Swan years. Like, oh, I gotta get Contador's whistle. Where's his? 
and whistle. It's it's going to be. Where a are the spares? To, to to the listener at home <laughs> or the viewer on Facebook or Twitter, or whatever. The quickest person, the first person to to get at Contador's whistle. You're a hero. Let's just to <laughs> to get take, that get that account. Take his pookie, as Taylor called yeah, it, at Contador's. Yeah. Okay, since it was a, a flat, I mean, very exciting sprint, but not a ton of things to talk about, not a whole bunch of shakeup. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, and Taylor's a good example. We live in an era, and it's a three-week bike race where. I mentioned once you can pick up the phone and, and get advice, talk to mentors, have your mom or dad calm you down. You never know. But the riders can take to social media mm-hmm. and tackle it. I mean, in you know, when you were doing your for- first tours, I mean, you were at the mercy of the media to get a message out. Now they can go right to the source. And, and Cavendish is a good example. He was on a plane. In uh, telling people to chill out on the whole Sagan thing, sure. you can actually take control of the media in, in the new era. Right. Well, that's that's exactly right. I mean, you, you I think there's a. Uh, I I tried that in those comeback years when when Twitter was just coming on, um, you know, on the scene and social media was becoming what it is today, um, and I was increasingly frustrated with the traditional press, cycling press, and so I just. I just sort of cut that off and then just went direct to the consumer, direct to the fan, direct to the, um, to the you know other people on social media. It, you, that didn't work either. You know, you, you have to have this balance. You have to I think you still have to acknowledge and respect the you know the traditional press. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also too, it's cool to to go straight to your fans. And and yeah. we saw Mark Cavendish. It's interesting. We saw. Cav posted a video which we would have played, but he was on a plane. It was it, noisy. It's hard to understand. And anyways, when you're from the Isle of Man, you're hard to understand. Anyways, <laughs> throw, throw that uh, inside of an airplane. But he, he was this entire controversy, and we keep talking about it. Is is has polarized the whole thing. So you had so Cav, um, you know, on his social feed. I mean, he posted. I think he posted a picture of his kid yesterday, and in the responses, his wife actually posted some of them. And, and highlighted them, the responses from Peter Sagan fans were straight up, I mean, so unnecessary and uncalled for. So all Cav was saying was like, hey, just leave me, you know, leave my family out of it. You know, I know that. And then at the same time, so while you have a good buddy of mine, Doc Phelan, uh, Dr. Darren Phelan, um, his his uh, nurse is Slovakian. And the entire country, they're, they're basically saying we're not coming to France ever again. So you have, and then I was emailing yesterday because I wanted to go to this Iron Maiden show in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. So I had it all set up. I didn't tell you this. No. <laughs> I was going to this Iron Maiden show in Salt Lake City. When? Uh, today. <laughs> right. So I had it all set. I was emailing with their tour manager. His name's Ed. And uh, he says, okay, you know, I'll set up. And I said, oh, you know what? I totally forgot that I'm actually doing a podcast every morning. <laughs> and so I can't leave. But, uh, but Ed, you know, Ed following it. And he said all, that all of England... Is you know is livid. So it's just it's, but with social media, it's so easy. It's it's less um, it's less toxic on Facebook because people have their names, right? So, but on mm-hmm. Twitter, you can be at you know Joe Blow, you know whatever, right. it's and and it just gives you so much authority and power to say whatever the hell you want, no matter if it's inappropriate or not, and nobody knows who you are. And you never get right. out it. You never you just hide behind, which is by the way, is a chicken shit thing to do. Anyway, so that's what, 
But, you know, these are both Mark Cavendish and Peter Sagan are, are two of the biggest champions and, and characters in this sport. So with that, you just get polarizing views. Let's but, tackle a few things that are comments and, th- and stuff that have come in, and then we're going to take a look at the stage. No, then I'm going biking. I know. I'm trying to get you out of here. Get you on your bike. Relax. Thanks, bro. We got to tackle. Uh, you upset some Aussies. I know. Because you said they all drink Fosters, and right. apparently it in was the a Kiwis, quick reference in the Kiwis. Because I called Greg Henderson an Aussie. <laughs> I mean, what? Uh, you know the. It's the, a it's a bad stereotype that they all drink Fosters. So I I, wrote, I wrote back to one of them on Twitter. Uh, not so incognito, like you said. You don't know their their first and last name, but that's right. his Twitter name. Uh, so I said, well, what do Aussies drink then? Yeah. If it's not Fosters, and he said a lot. <laughs> Sadly, <laughs> no matter what it is, they drink a lot of it. It's probably Carlton Draft or Victoria Bitter, but we're having a craft brew revolution. Right well, guess now. what? That that never would have come to mind. I never could have. I mean, all I, I mean, the Aussies probably sit there and go, "Oh, those 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 Yanks, you know, drinking Budweiser." It's just easy. I'm sorry. I take it back. I'm more I'm more bummed about calling Greg Anderson a an Aussie. Jesus, that's. Uh, some other messages. Millard Allen, love the shirt, referencing what you wore yesterday. What's up? Well, today you have on a stages T. Uh, yesterday you had on the Suffer shirt. Suffer. A lot of people commented and liked that. Yeah. Um, we're going to sell. We're going to get around to selling these things. I think as soon as tomorrow. We're okay. just We're just a little. Look, this podcast was 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 a uh, was a late idea, and the idea to. Make some shirts just to have some fun and sell a couple was also a late idea. So it takes a minute to make them. It takes a minute to set up the online store. So stay tuned. Yeah, this was not being planned out over a 12-month period. No. Trust me. No. <laughs> I was like, JB, uh, how soon can you drive that Airstream studio up to Colorado? Because we need it in like two weeks. Yeah. Like, all right. And you don't need to see your family for the summer. I mean, your daughter's <laughs> on summer break. You're just going to come chill with my family. <laughs> Yeah, and your daughter made some great cupcakes yesterday. My daughter, that, that I, I'm gonna give a, I'm gonna give Olivia Armstrong a little shout out. She's a little, well, she's a little devil, but she she made some cupcakes. She's six. She made cupcakes and lemonade. She set up a little stand on the corner right outside the studio here, and uh, there, there was flat pricing. Mm-hmm. It was a dollar general. Everything was a buck. <laughs> Cupcake was a buck. Lemonade was a buck. She made fifty one dollars. And I think she pulled some watches she, out of your drawer and put them on there. Oh, buck. great. <laughs> But she was, I mean, if you got within half a mile of here and she saw you, she, hey, <laughs> I know. cupcakes. That girl's going to be she's, a moneymaker. She's, she's an cool. entrepreneur. She's cool. I see it. Uh, Catherine writes, uh, sorry someone complained about a few swear words. I, for one, was happy to hear you talking like a normal human being. So to heck with them, I say. Good to hear oh, you. She insights. says heck? Yeah, she says oh, yeah, well, There you go. <laughs> That's bold. Catherine. Uh, I've been following bike racing since... George Hincapie was 14 years old in New York City, where my husband also raced. Yep. And he had the biggest fro in New York City at the time. I mean, George's hair. George rocked a fro? Buddy. I've never seen that. I'll I'll show it tomorrow. I can't pull it up right now. uh, Eric Ray writes, thanks for putting in your thoughts, insights, and humor out for the world to see. Love to see you guys. I love love what you guys do, and don't try to edit the language. Here's another one. Uh. It's what shows the world you're just regular guys having fun, doing your own thing. I see both sides. Do you think Froome can hold on to the yellow 
for a while, or will it relinquish it to regain uh, closer towards the end? Will they try to hang on to it? He said on uh, Chris Froome said on on his post race interview yesterday that, which I was actually kind of surprised he said he said it's their goal to have the yellow jersey wire to wire. So they had it with Garrett Thomas for a few days, and now it's on his back. I mean that's uh, that's that's a that's a, that's not easy for a team to do for three weeks. But he, he I don't know why. I mean I have no reason not to believe him. All right, this one may be a bit much, and we may have to table it for a rest day or something. But maybe. At least if you can shed some light on how you feel about it. Francisco Garcia writes, uh, thanks for your insight into the tour. Great having you. And thanks for sharing all this knowledge. What is your opinion on the financial side of cycling? The cyclists are often the worst paid professionals in sports. Uh, Teams have to jump from sponsor to sponsor every year. Uh, ASO is making the big bucks with the TV money. That is a very, that's a long discussion. I know. But let me just, you know, I want to have the discussion. Um, but I want to I want to give that question Francisco's question and the subject, you know, the proper amount of time to address it. But let me just give it a tease. The model of this sport, the business model, the financial model, the the structural model is completely broken. I mean, it, this is if if Wharton Business School did a, a case study on the sport of cycling. I mean, the conclusion would be you're all screwed. This is the worst business model in any sport. And so I have a lot of thoughts about that. Which may So even probably... when, and I asked you this the other day, even when you have a team that's having a dominant period, so your fan base grows and it spreads into other countries. Yep. Let's use Sky, for example. They've yep. had a few really good years. They built a great program. Even that, a, a, t- a team who puts together a season is not profitable. It's it's just money in, money out. Yeah, there's no equity. I mean, there's there, there's no equity in that game. There's no at- ability to build a franchise sure. like the Dallas Cowboys or the New York you, Yankees. JB, you do not own anything as a writer. You own you own the a piece of paper that that has that's a contract with your title sponsor or other sponsors. So you own that. When that term is up, you don't own anything. The only thing you might own at the end of it all, and I've seen this happen hundreds of times, you're going to own the bus, so you got to use bus. Great. You're going to own a bunch of bikes, <laughs> so you got a bunch of used bikes. You're going to own maybe some leftover jerseys. You don't. That's it. And you see teams fire sale this stuff when it's all over. And you know, quite often there's, like you might be on a team, uh, I'm thinking of not you in particular, but just uh, out of the 190 plus riders, the joke, let's take the middle. They might have a one-year contract. They don't know where they're going to be next year. I might be invited back with this team. I'm hoping to get a sure. deal, but that that's very unsettling to have. You know, a not enough of a income, or there's no big signing bonuses where they just get they're set. Right, like a lot of sports we see in the U.S. Yeah. I mean, you're you're going to have teams. I'm I'm sure of it. I mean, we could actually get an exact number, but there's teams where the leaders making. And by the way. I was in this situation where the leader makes. I'm not going. I don't know what I'm. I don't even remember what I made back in the day. But there are these these GC contenders that are the leaders of the team. They might make four or five million bucks a year. There's somebody else on that nine person squad that's making less than two hundred thousand dollars. Still a lot of money, right? But the disparity there, you know, for the amount of effort that goes into this thing, it's it's man. 
you know, all the while people go, okay, okay, what's the solution, right? It's a tough, I don't know that I have the solution, but it certainly has to be addressed or needs to be addressed. I don't think it will. ASO has uh, such a grip on this sport. And the last thing they're going to do is, is, is take a finger off, right? They're not going to loosen that grip. And why, by the way, why would they? Okay. Union. Yeah. It starts with the union. All right. All right, guys. Well, let's take a look at uh, stage to tomorrow. What what do we look for? What's happening? I know we're it's another sprinter's day, but there's got to be something fun to watch, and we'll take your prediction. Yeah. I know I, you like one particular rider. How right do now. you go against the guy? <laughs> how do you go against Marcel Kittle? Who I mean, I say he was twice as fast as um, as the other guys. That's obviously not possible, but he was. It was men and boys. So how do you? Uh, I don't. Well, for starters, I don't think a breakaway gets away and stays away. I don't think we're to that point of the tour yet. Um, and uh, how do you bet against him? Okay. Yeah. All right. And, no, and, nothing and on the course that jumped the, out. The course is noteworthy. This is the this is the most this is the simplest most straightforward run in that we've seen to date in this tour. I don't see in weather. I checked the weather. Uh, weather looks again warm but sunny. Um, so no complicated finishes, no tricky turns. It's, it's basically straight in and, uh, I don't, I don't see how, uh, I don't see how he loses. The interesting thing is, you know, then the next day we get back into the mountains. So that'll be exciting. Okay. Send your comments to us. Stages at we do sport.com W E D U sport.com. We'd love to get your comments, feedback, tee up any questions for Lance. That'd be great. I just got a comment on Twitter from Florian Bueller. Must be related to Ferris. Uh, he says, it's amazing how wrong Lance Armstrong still is in most of the stuff he says. <laughs> what in particular? I don't know. What did I say? That... <laughs> you got to be more specific if you're going to complain. I mean, I picked the winner today. I don't know. Well, maybe Florian will write me back and tell me. <laughs> tell your friends to subscribe. Yeah. Appreciate everybody sharing all that Crazy. stuff. Uh, yesterday was a big day. We moved into the, the top 10 of suggested... Uh, on iTunes. Yep. And then it showed up on a new and noteworthy it's list num- it's on the iTunes. It's number one on new and if you go to iTunes on the, you know the podcast on your phone, the podcast app, um, it's the number one show on new and noteworthy. That's pretty cool. Oh, such, I mean, I don't know who does that stuff, but who, if you're listening, thank you. Six days in, yeah. that's pretty cool. Well, that was after the fifth day. But uh, you know, share it with your friends who might want to follow whatever they use, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All that info is at stagespodcast.com. You trying to get out of here? I'm I'm going bike riding. <laughs> See y'all. <laughs> You're that kid that had their all their books packed before the whistle went yeah, off, right? Yeah. I, I never I Contador's never had my, whistle. I never had my books open. <laughs> was the problem. Yeah. All right, have a good one. Hi, buddy. Thanks. Thanks.